Support for the Couples Council comes from Mercier Wellness and Consulting. Their purpose is to equip you with the right skills for a happy and healthy relationship. Schedule your consultations now. For more information, visit mercierwellness.com. Mercier Wellness and Consulting. Small steps, big changes. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy. Please consult a licensed professional for your mental health needs. Now Now on on with with the the show. show. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Couples Council. I am your host, Dr. Jameson Mercier, licensed clinical social worker and doctor of marriage and family therapy. I hope and pray that you all are doing well. I hope that you are weathering the season that we're in. I'll, I'll put it that way, to, uh, to put it mildly. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I appreciate you having us as uh, one of your companions, I hope you're not ignoring your companion. Please, by all means, do not do not triangulate us instead. You know, in your relationship, if you're having any issues, I know that um, it's funny. But you know, we have a habit of plugging our ears so we can ignore our partners. Um, you know, if that is you, and you're again, you're using us to ignore your partner. You know, after this podcast, go listen to them. Right? You don't have to stop now, but please kiss and make up. All right. Because we don't know how long we're going to be in this and we need each other and we're stronger together than we're ever than we ever could be apart. OK, I, I got sidetracked a little bit, but that's fine. Today on this episode, whenever it is you happen to be listening to this, um, I intended for this conversation to be. Um, more about, um, you know, just more tips and, and, and skills and strategies for couples. And in essence, it is that, okay. I don't want you to think that it's not, but it ended up being more of a treat for me, um, because I got to really sit down and have a conversation with someone that I've known about for quite some time now. And have always wanted to meet um, and got the chance to do it. We sat down, had a very lovely conversation. So I was, um, you know, I've, I've said this, you know, off and on. I was thoroughly enjoying myself, right? Not necessarily to the point of geeking out, but my guest and I, we... It's almost, again, as if the microphones were not here and we were not recording an interview for this show. But the beauty of that is you really get to hear some some really uh, valuable stuff, right? And I say stuff like there's some meat on these bones from this episode. And so I'm thankful, thankful for my guest, um, none other than Tracy Rubel. Okay, now Tracy Rubel um, is a relationship expert. She's been working with individuals and couples for many years, 16 years to be exact. Um, And this is while, now, while she was stateside, I should say, at the time of our conversation, she's actually across the pond. Um, So she's not stateside. So that's the other thing, right? You get to talk to someone who is time zones away let me put it that way right let let that sink in your minds for a little bit she's been featured all over um abc cbs npr you know one of my personal favorites but the reason that i was glad to have her on the show is for something that was i guess you can say unrelated a project that she started years ago called sidewalk talk yeah that's her she is the one who started that. And what Sidewalk Talk is, or what what is, because it's still going on, it's, it's a listening project, all right? This is where people across the country, across countries, um, 15 countries to be exact, put out a chair and listen to each other. And for that, she was recently featured in Oprah Magazine. So look her up. See what she's doing. She's someone 
who, you know, if you just follow her and just pick up on some of the nuggets that she drops, you will do fine. And, you know, I know, I know, I know I was, I was blessed to have had this conversation with her. I learned some things from her, um, which some things that I intend to implement in my own practice. But again, you know, don't take my word for it. Um, I'll just let you hear my conversation with one of my favorites, Tracy Rubel. Enjoy. Well, Tracy, hello and welcome, welcome to the Couples Council. Thanks, Dr. Mercy. I'm really excited to be in dialogue with you to talk about something that sounds like we're both passionate about. Yeah, yeah. And as I mentioned to you before, um, it's funny. Well, it's interesting how we connected, but I've been following some of your work um, even before this with the sidewalk talk. And uh, I don't know if many people know anything about that. If you just want to share a little bit about yeah. what, uh, what that is. So in 2014, right after the uptick in gun violence, I think Eric Garner's murder was probably the last straw along shooting. I come from a church background, so that was particularly hard for me. Um, I decided that the way that I needed to be an activist, really, was to put my chair on a sidewalk and hear the stories of as many different people in my community as I possibly could. Not mm. to sort of put out there some theory on, on why we had so much gun violence. Um, and then what happened is somebody called me in Southern California after they heard us on the news, said, hey, we wanna bring this down here. And then uh, Esther Boykin, who's still part of our organization, said, I want to bring this to D.C. <laughs> so now there's 7,000 of us across 15 different countries. Wow. Sit on sidewalks and listen to strangers. And, and really our motto is compassion happens between equals. So we're not doing street therapy. It's, it's really about changing our culture and our communities to communities that remember to connect. That's awesome. That's awesome. When I heard about that and I, I, I had some similar ideas, but I'm of the mindset that many people can have the same idea and concept. And when I saw the work you were doing, I was like, you know what? They've got it. They're doing a good thing. And I was just, I've been following from afar. So, oh, I'm excited. So, yeah, you yeah. know, it's funny. The idea, we weren't the only ones that had the idea around the same time, which kind of gives it this kind of magic quality that so many different people have started listening projects right clearly mm -hmm. that we're just vehicles for something else right we're just vehicles for something that's, that's wanting to happen that's awesome that's awesome so so good luck with that as you continue to do that and as i'm sure you've noticed you know that's even more vital work as you know we've progressed or regressed in our society you know mm you know, listening projects and being there as compassionate listeners. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, my treat and the stuff I geek out on. We're having you here for, you know, our listeners um, because of the work that you do around couples and relationships. Yeah. Um, now, before we delve into that, would you mind just sharing with some of our listeners a little bit of your story and uh, how you got into work with working with couples and yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. Um, I certainly didn't become a therapist because I had an easy life. I came, I became a therapist because, you know, I'm somebody who swims in the deep water, so to speak. Mm. Uh, my mother was a teen mom who had me when she was still in high school and she was married six times. I joke that my life looked a lot like that MTV show. <laughs> I was one of the kids of one of those teen moms on their shows. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And got my buns into therapy because I think when I first entered therapy in my first job out of college because I had masked my difficult upbringing with a lot of perfectionism and overachievement. Mm. And my first job out of college, I really had to confront 
that I wasn't, that wasn't going to fly anymore because I couldn't be perfect at everything. When you're in your first job, by and large, you're learning a bunch of new stuff. Right. And that was really the beginning for me, that and, and falling in love for the first time. Both of those things kind of freaked me out. So I went and sought some help and it changed my life. And I thought, wow, there's so much about who I am that I'd never investigated. I was kind of on autopilot and decided after a successful tech career in the Silicon Valley in San Francisco um, to go back to graduate school to study to become a therapist. And I didn't anticipate specializing in couples, but I guess it's no surprise when you hear my story that <laughs> my mother was married six times. I tease my couples. I said, I've been doing this since I was four, so there's probably not a lot that you can wow. bring that's going to surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you yeah. come. You're, you're an expert long before many of us have gotten started. Yes, but you know what? I think that uh, I also appreciate many, many people that bring a new mindset that didn't have to suffer the mm. kind of experiences that I did too. So I don't want to, I don't want to denigrate therapists that no, no, didn't I, come from those kinds of childhoods either. Yeah, but you know. And then I have to say that I ended up marrying into, I mean, therapy worked, right? I, I really have centered myself in a way that I can make some good decisions and pick a good partner. And I've, I'm living in Germany right now. So you and I are having this conversation while I'm in conversation with you from Germany. And I've yeah. been married for 17 years to a German man and married into my dream family, really, really wow. close to my husband's siblings and their partners and his folks and it's lovely so so the myth that when you come from uh, and i hate the term but you know broken home or broken family yep. that you know you tend to repeat it that clearly is not the case here in, in your situation no. no i think there's only one thing that you have to have you just have to be interested in growth mm. If you're interested in growth, you can grow through lots of stuff. If you're not interested in growth, then it's a harder, it's a heavier lift, right? And some of what I do with my couples is for the one partner that's not interested in growth, I use all my tech sales skills to try to sell them on being interested in growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and clinicians often don't realize that you are in sales. In many, oh, yeah. Many aspects you are. And we do have to sell our couples on some uh, self-work, ironically. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, I also, you know, for the folks that aren't as motivated to, to grow, I think because my background was tricky, I empathize with why they might not want to, right? It takes so mm. much courage, right? That if we've organized ourselves to be, for example, a perfectionist, or if we've organized ourselves to be super overachieving, then that's a defense mechanism to protect a kind of tenderness. And so therapy can be incredibly frightening right. for that partner. And, you know, over the years I've learned to, to join with that partner rather than have them feel like, you know, they're not holding up their end of the bargain, but to maybe see where I can inspire them or motivate them to see what mm -hmm. the benefits of it are for them. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, so there are, you know, secondary and tertiary benefits too, and we can let them know about that. But yeah. I think the, the fact that you were once on that couch or in that chair. Oh, still am. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad to hear that. You know, my wife and I, we practice that. We practice what we preach. And it, it, it's, it's good to be reminded of just yeah. how vulnerable you can be or it can be being on that on that couch yeah you know? i think it's important to really honor and empower your clients um to know what it's like to be on that other side of the room i had a colleague once and he told me he'd never been in therapy before i'm like how did you even know that you wanted to do this wow <laughs> i don't know how that works i really don't know how that works i don't either yeah wow yeah, no, we, we encourage it, um, we practice it, uh, we talk about it all the time, and um, it, it, it's, it's part of an, an additional project of ours to take that whole, make that 
make the private public, you know, how, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm a firm believer that the statistics around couples and counseling is fairly skewed. We just, a lot more couples are seeking counseling and therapy, marriage work than is being reported. And uh, the more we can talk and share, I think those numbers will begin to change. Yeah. Now, now, now let's, let's focus a little bit on, on the work you do with couples um, specifically. Yeah. In, in um, our previous conversation, we talked about roles mm -hmm. uh, in relationships and you know, we can talk a lot about roles mm -hmm. um, yeah. uh, because it, it's when you put two people together, the idea of what one's role should be, we always seem to miss it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so important to not just zero in on somebody's, you know, psychology Right. I think sometimes if if there were ever a miss early on in my career, you get this training that says, OK, we'll look at what might be wrong inside that person that's making their relationship hard. I'm actually way more interested as I've aged in my work at the context within which that relationship is taking place. Mm. OK. And that context is influenced by the culture that that couple was brought up in. Right. Yeah. Um, they're socioeconomic status and what kind of education and income level they had. Very interesting when it's different, right? And what kinds of messages they got about roles inside of marriage, whether it's a same-sex couple or a heterosexual couple, um, that there are roles that we're sort of picking up on both consciously and unconsciously from the context that we're raised in. Mm -hmm. I'm, gl I'm glad to hear you highlight context because we as a society will have conversations and even heated arguments and debates and we're completely ignoring context. Totally. And, and, and it's amazing what happens when we look at context. It, it creates, a, it's, it's, it's the ultimate p potential for a bridge. Yeah. Because once you understand how somebody was shaped, you know, so I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. um, I had a couple once that came in and this was a cross-cultural couple. The, the man was from a Western European culture and she was Hispanic. And, the, you know, as many couples do, they argued about chores and housekeeping. Mm -hmm. And you can get into roles like gender roles there, but there was also this other context, right? The context that the man came from a house that was one child, right? Two working parents and a particular culture that was very tidy. Mm -hmm. She, on the other hand, came from a family of six, and a very community-oriented family, right? A mom and a dad and the six kids. And they had a great time together, but they didn't prize keeping a clean house over connection. Connection came first. Yeah, different value systems. Totally different values. So I could have easily, as their couples therapist, had this negotiation around how to renegotiate the chores in their house. But missing that contextual history would have really missed out on some beautiful potential for intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so that every time he could see that she wasn't keeping house the way that he was used to, he could maybe go back to a memory of what that association was for her, that what she's doing when she's not cleaning the house isn't disrespecting him or not caring about him, but it's directly linked to family joy and connection. Yeah. I mean, isn't that weird? Right. And which ironically is also something that he would want and appreciate about his wife. Exactly. So, you know, I get on a soapbox about this with, with therapy sometimes. I'm like, we're too, we get too focused on the insides of people sometimes. Mm. And we have to remember that there's the outsides of people that we have to pay attention to. And I'll give you another example. Sure, sure. Give me all of them. <laughs> So I'm married to a German man. I'm living in Germany. Let me give you a context of the reality of, of the life for couples if they were married in Germany and deciding to have children. 
um, couples get 18 months paid parental leave split yes. between mother and father. Okay. Everybody. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's one of the get, many, that's one of the many things Americans are envious of. But it's, but, but this is important because a couple will come in after the birth of their first child and all the research shows that marital satisfaction goes down deeply. But I say to the couple, you know what? Don't just be mad. Recognize that there's a context here that you aren't being supported externally. You're in a context where you're not getting a lot of support to do the hardest thing there is to do, which is to, you know, be a parent. Mm-hmm. And that there's a lot of grief involved with having a child in a society that doesn't give you that contextual support because now you give up a lot of personal freedom in order to raise that baby. Yep. And if you don't give up that freedom, particularly for women, then you're ostracized and shunned in many situations. Exactly. That you're not taking on the role of being a primary caregiver to that child. Mm-hmm. And every one of those pieces is getting played out between the couple. And so what I try to do is help the couple make a list of the things that are actually happening between the two of them or the things that the, they're playing out between the two of them that are actually context issues. Okay. And what it does is it takes some of the pressure off. So then the two of them feel like they can lock arms and be in collaboration with each other, um, solving the real challenge, which is, you know, we're, we're both missing our freedom here in a society that doesn't actually give us as much support as we'd like. So they turn and they, they redirect their frustrations at the real source of the frustration. And now they're locked arm in arm solving the problem together so that one plus one equals three rather than one minus, you know, it's two people fighting against the, en- the invisible enemy, if you will. I don't mean to call culture an enemy, but sometimes mm-hmm. it feels that way, right? It can, it can, it can. And, you know, as you talk about, um, you know, the context of culture, it's, it, it often will cause couples to turn against each other and not know why they will have these very entrenched debates and then soon enough they find a reason to make their couple or the spouse, their husband, their partner, the enemy, but it didn't always start out that way. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then it's such a a dynamic conversation with the three of us as well, because, you know, I, I believe a lot, that the context also has to happen in the therapist's office too, which means that I have to share a bit of my context, not that I'm centering myself, right? Mm. But that I also say, and we are in a collaboration right now, right? And, and that part of the work is for me to also lock arms with you, right? For us to define what it is that we're doing here together, not that I'm doing something to you as the couple's therapist. Right, right. And that's important for couples to recognize. And if they don't feel it for clinicians to also highlight. Yes. um, That's that's key because couples need that. You know, one of my spiels that I give to every couple on the first session is I say this, look, I am going to guarantee you a couple things in here with me. I'm going to guarantee you that at some point I'm going to really make you angry. Mm-hmm. You're going to hide or you're going to think that I'm missing something and I'm against you. And I want to normalize that and say that that's actually really healthy for you to be questioning me in that way. And what I want to invite you to do is to tell me out loud Because the one thing that's cool about therapy and the whole reason why you pay me is you do not have to come in here and please me. Mm -hmm. I am your paid consultant. And if there's something that I'm doing that feels off, we're going to be in dialogue. And maybe, and it's possible that I won't agree, but what we'll do is you and I are going to have a fight. And then we're going to have a fair fight. Because potentially one of the reasons you're in here is you and your partner don't know how to fair fight. So you and I will have one together. You'll get to see it happen. And I won't 
retaliate, I won't shame, I won't name call, and I won't diminish. I'm going to validate, I'm going to mm -hmm. listen, I'm going to be curious, and we're going to get to the bottom of it, and it's going to be really cool. So that's part of the selling, right? That's the first oh, time selling them on fighting with me. And I, I'll, I'll tell you something, there tends to be some gender normativity. Every male that was dragged into therapy, <laughs> Oh, yeah. When I say that, they go, really? And I'm like, yes. And, I, you know, I have several, several situations where men that did not want to be there feel so much safer with me because that's what I say on the first session. Mm. You know, I also bring up, I say, you know, if it's a heterosexual couple, I say to the guy, so how does it feel to be in a room with two women that like have a lot of experience talking about feelings? Do you talk about feelings a lot? Were you trained in that? And, and, and they're just shocked that I'm even saying that. And I said, it's gotta feel like really disempowering. Mm -hmm. Do you feel kind of set up? And he's like, yeah, I do. Great. I don't want you to feel that way in here. And then I give another spiel. I say, look, sometimes what men are really great at is embodying their feelings better than sometimes us women do. And us women, we talk about them more. So we're going to get really good at being bilingual. So sometimes I'm going to be really skilled at talking about feelings and you're going to be really skilled at feeling them. And we're just going to help each other understand our languages that may be different. Yeah. And you can just see their shoulders drop three inches from their ears, right? Oh, They're like, oh my God, awesome. thank you. Oh yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> That's great. And then, you know, it's, 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 it's isomorphic as you're talking about it, you're doing it. And then you talk about it a little more then they do it a little more. Then they go home and find themselves mimicking what was just happening in the session. Yeah. And it's just a great, great process. It's great for me too, because I am getting to, to truly be in a stance of collaboration with a couple. So I get to learn from them as well. Right. When I am willing to bring my skill and training, but part of my skill and training is also surrender into not needing to be the guru or the know-it-all in the room. Mm -hmm. I'm actually teaching them how not to need to be the guru or the know-it-all in their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and if you've done this kind of work for any length of time or you've, you know, achieved any many form of notoriety that can be hard to do uh, because no matter what you tell clients they will still kind of hold you in that high regard and that high esteem oh you've um, got a story there that i'm so wanting to ask you <laughs> questions about <laughs> so, well what I'm, what I'm what i'm going to is you know my wife and i and we tell this story all the time um, as a matter of fact for those of you who've not heard it if you just go to our website uh, merciawellness.com it's there we talk about the time in our relationship where we were um, headed towards a divorce. Mm. And it wasn't, um, it didn't start out that way because just maybe weeks before that, we were just celebrating in Jamaica. We had been in mm. Jamaica for a week and we had not had any fights. It's just, you know, we might have overlooked some things and, um, you know, you wake up one day and you're like, we don't know if this is going to work. Mm -hmm. And so that was a challenge for us in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And very hard. And my wife and I, again, we still talk about it. And every now and then things come up and we're like, let's unpack that a bit. You know, we're both clinicians. So it gets real interesting in our house when we start to talk. <laughs> I bet. You know, um, but one of the first things we do is we put that out there to tell couples that this thing happens to everyone. Yeah. You know, and then in case you didn't hear it or know about it before, I'm going to tell you mm -hmm. that, you know, this is what we went through and it's not a secret. And what I will add to it is there's a chance that we may find ourselves at that juncture again. Mm -hmm. Okay, we figure we may live another 30, 40, 50 years, there are no guarantees. Mm -hmm. and, and so we find just kind of doing that for couples, it does seem to make them uh, the transition into therapy. The fact that, yeah, you may have all these licenses and degrees and all, you have the same kind of issues. That's right. You know, we just may have a bit more um, awareness. Mm-hmm. 
you know so yeah. when we talk we talk in terms of equipping couples with skills yeah you know we want to give you the skills so that you can do this thing on your own mm-hmm. yeah yeah i feel really touched when i hear you share this concept that yeah we might face this again right that there's something so humanizing about psychotherapy when you as skilled clinicians bring your own humanity into the work because suddenly I, I just think that it's encourage it's um not encouraging it's it gives people more courage to own their own truth with you because I, that's a really vulnerable thing to say yeah and, and I'll tell you this much so there's also this thing about timing, right? One of the issues right. with, with people, sometimes we share too much too soon. Mm. And then some other people just don't share anything at all. And one of the things that we had to overcome in our marriage was, when are we ready to share this thing? Yeah. Right? I, I, I'm of the proponent that even with my wife in just regular everyday conversations, I may have something that I'm thinking, or she might have said something and I didn't, you know, particularly appreciate it. But I don't say it right away. What I do is I observe and I just kind of process on my own and I may come to her a day or two later. Yes. And I'll said, you know, so this has been kind of on my mind and we talk. And in the past, she'll say, you were holding on to that for all that time? I said, well, hold on a sec. Because I was checking my own stuff because that's right you know i didn't want to come at you unfairly mm. and, and so being able to first make sure that's what's happening and then talk about it and then you know in a public forum or with clients it gives them permission and i find that a lot of people need permission yeah i mean i i, I do I do when I, and I look for people that work in a similar way, right. That have this empowering stance that says I'm human, just like you. I'm not any better or less. I just happen to have a bunch of training, a bunch of schooling and a bunch of skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, I also get that your training and your skills are important and helping clients sort of find the right skill set for the things that they're working with. Right. 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 It's key. Yeah, and there are some couples that I'm not great at working with. And I tell them, I'm like, I don't think I'm the therapist for you, but yeah. let me help you find a great one. Oh, yeah, no, refer, refer, refer. That's, that's the, the adage. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was working, I'll, I'll tell you another story. I was working with a couple uh, recently where um, he, and so men in therapy, you know, they're, they're almost like unicorns. And so you probably feel the same way. So when mm-hmm. I get when I get one, I give them extra attention. Mm. That's one recognizing if this is a bad experience, they will they may never step into another therapist's mm-hmm. office. And, yeah. and and the other thing is have you know being a man and having been in that situation, I totally understand. Um, yeah. And and so I'm working with I've worked with men who were just. Um, st- even though we were in a safe space, you know, two guys talking, you almost got to make it just two guys hanging out almost. They are, um, how do I say? They, 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 they again, it's a hard nut to crack. Mm. And so I've learned this, I've learned how to be better with those guys um because again that's one population who needs it mm-hmm. yeah in, in, go ahead go ahead no i i just i i share this in common with you i love working with men i love working with men who are first timers to therapy too mm. there's something about my very candid way of candid and I'm, I'm actually silly i i you know i'm what did what did this i, I have a couple what did this guy say he said the reason why I'm coming still is because you make me laugh every session. You say something so ridiculously funny. I'm like, great. <laughs> you know, I'm glad that I'm, I'm providing some entertainment value, but they're doing good work. Yes. And so I think I've learned along the way how to put my foot on the gas 
with men, where to, where to push and where to take my foot off the gas. Mm. Right. Mm. And get, get buy-in. And so we were talking about roles earlier and I, I do bring up my role, you know, when I am with a man, I'll talk about that. I'm a woman. If I'm with them, with a man from a particular racial or cultural background, I'll talk about I'm a white woman. If I'm with a man who speaks a different language, what's it like to have to speak to me in your non-native language? I just want them to feel like this is a place of exploration, not a place of judgment, right? And that includes that they can also confront, explore, and wonder about this interaction between the two of us. And then second, I love to teach them. I'm like, this is what a lot of people do in therapy. They come in and like, I don't know, aside from watching the Sopranos, what the heck you're supposed to actually do in here. Right. And then I tell them, I'm like, well, so here are some of the theoretical constructs of therapy and how we change. Um, I'll say, look, what research shows is there are two key ingredients to getting a lot out of therapy. Number one, you have to feel like you trust and feel safe with your therapist. And number two, your theory of change and how you think the human changes has to match closely with the way the therapist thinks people change. So if you believe that if you think differently, you'll change, then you want to work with a therapist that's more cognitively oriented. Mm -hmm. If you think that the way you relate and learning to have different communication and relationships will lead to change, then you want to work with a relational therapist, right? So I teach them that. That's the fit piece. Yeah. And they're like, oh, cool, okay. And then I usually do some kind of um, what I would call a predictive interpretation, especially with, with maybe men or women who um, want to get the outcomes of therapy but are terrified by the work. I just am super candid and I say, so I'm going to guarantee you that there are gonna, there's going to be a moment in time where either we touch into something that's super vulnerable mm-hmm. Or you start to find yourself needing me and one you out and you're not going to tell me that it's freaking you out. You're going to play it out in a different way. You're going to say that coming to session is too inconvenient, that the fee for therapy is too expensive, or you're going to come up with some kind of way in which I've let you down in some way as an excuse not to come. it's It's not working. And I need your commitment today that if that happens, you're going to come for two more sessions to talk to me about it. Because usually it's precisely in those moments where we've hit gold, we've hit pay because we've touched into something that's so hard that we're right at the place that, that where all the work is getting juicy. Mm-hmm. And I, it's my job to, keep, to try to get you to stay right when we get to that touch point so that you get the work done. And I'm telling you, that is the most powerful intervention with first-timers to therapy, to let them know that. Um, And it's worked. And then at the same time, when people say, hey, I really feel like I've achieved what I want to achieve, I'm also not the kind of therapist who says, well, you need to be in therapy longer. When when someone says that they've they've really gotten what they needed, I'm like, excellent. That's, then we're done. Yeah. That's awesome. You, you mentioned earlier when you talk to, to men about um, exploring and not being in a space of judgment. And I guess I can say that goes for clients in general. Yeah. What, and I ask clinicians this all the time. What do you suppose happens that makes that not possible between the couples themselves, right? Where we go from that place of exploration to that place of judgment as opposed to just that continued learning and just seeking to understand? Well, for me, I have my own shticks and metaphors as well there. Um, and I, I, I deliver it in a playful way, but I, I, I tease and I say, you know, most couples come in here and they, they're pretty sure that they're the owner of objective reality and their partner is crazy. Mm. And what the work is, is to tell me about that so that I can convince their partner that they're wrong. Right. Right. And I usually say, I've got something that's really going to bum you out. There is no such thing as objective reality outside of how much money is actually in your bank account. (laughs) 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 And, 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 you know, like 
you know, what your cholesterol level is, things that you can measure, if you have subjective realities. So that puts me as your therapist in a really precarious position if you're going to tell me that you're the owner of objective reality. Mm -hmm. And I said, so here's the beautiful thing. We don't need to argue about reality anymore because there isn't one. The only work is to find out what your partner's version of it is and listen for as long as you need to listen until you uncover the incredible narrative that they've got going on in their mind about the world and about you and about this relationship without taking it personally. Yeah, that's the part. That part. Ooh, it's the hardest part, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We did a series recently on communication. And again, communication is something that we point to a lot in relationships, but oftentimes it's all this stuff here that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But being able to listen long enough you know, just that a little bit longer yep. it can make a huge difference. You'll appreciate this. So I did this weird thing. Um, I, I'm doing, I do couples groups. I like to get couples together for the same reason you and I seem to like to tell people, hey, under the hood, mm. relationships are hard. We want you to not feel alone. Look, our relationship is hard sometimes too. Right. And when I get couples together in groups, they get to see that and they're like, Oh, thank God. And what I'll do is I'll pair a partner up with somebody else's partner. So we'll get in triads groups mm. of three and a partner will watch somebody else listen to their partner Oh, because they don't take any of it personally because right. they they're not in the, they're not no in history. the relationship. Right. Right. And it's always, um, you know, the, if it's a hetero, it's in this instance, it's always heterosexual couples. So it's, you know, a woman paired with a man and then the male partner gets to watch and it's just, jo they're like, you mean to tell me that I could just listen like that and she would just respond like that? I'm like, <laughs> and it's way more effective than, than me having to first teach them to do it with each other. When they watch right. somebody else do it with their partner, oh, yeah. I prove my point. And they're like, oh my God. God. <laughs> uh -huh. They kind of become voyeurs in that situation. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that is classic. Consider that borrowed or stolen. Borrow it. <laughs> I'm telling everybody. I'm like, because I didn't plan for it. It just sort of pulled, I just pulled the rabbit out of the hat. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try something. Largely because of the work I've done at Sidewalk Talk. It's a direct way that that project has influenced my clinical work. Nice. Yeah. Man. We, we, may, we have to figure something out, either bring you back or you and I chat some more because this has, I just looked up at our time and uh, we're, we're approaching our time. This has been a very enjoyable So fast, it's like I had like a five minute conversation I, listen, with Dr. I, Mercier, it was so I great. Don't know, I don't know when, when it happened. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow, a anything else you wanna leave us with? I, I, I'm not quite ready to let you go yet. Well, I mean, if there's something I've been soapboxing lately, um, you know, it's just go into couples therapy way earlier. <laughs> mm. The research is really clear. The couples wait six years before they actually go see someone. Mm -hmm. So they've been usually, you talked about that disagreement you had with your, your wife and she said, gosh, you were holding on to it that long. Well, I think couples come in and I think that they actually cost themselves a heck of a lot more time and a heck of a lot more money with me because they waited too darn long to come in. And I'm not saying that because I think there's something wrong with anyone that's wrestling in relationships. I truly am saying it from a place of care. I want people to be having a really good time in their relationship. I want people to know that it's really normal for it to be hard because let's face it, We've only become egalitarian between men and women very recently. It's really only two generations. Mm -hmm. right? So we don't have a lot of models at how to do companionship. So when people are struggling, they should give themselves a pat on the back and go, I'm normal. Yay me. Right. Yeah. But save yourself some time, money and suffering and go into a couples therapist way sooner, way sooner. I'm so glad to hear you say that. And it's almost as if we scripted it. And <laughs> it, we, we totally didn't because we tell 
here on this on, on the couples council we say the very same thing you know it's if you take six months a year two years three you're talking about six or seven years that is six or seven years you will not get back mm, well and said then, and then when you start talking about opportunity cost right not to get out of you know no i love the business counseling. talk bring it the, when you talk about opportunity cost now, now it doesn't take you six years to get it back it's double or triple the amount of time to get back to where you were before and i'm always amazed how i'm proved right about this i recently worked with a couple that came in as soon as they hit their first road bump and i really only needed to work with them for six or seven sessions mm. And they were able to integrate it and put it to use. And I have other couples same way. And what they do with me now is they come in for six or seven sessions. And they usually come in once a year for one session tune-ups. See, there we go again. And, you know, listen. Yeah, no, you, you were meant to be on the show. We talk about check-ins, you know, whether it's quarterly or semi-annually. The same way you do your cars and your dental work and your vision, your relationships need the same amount of care and attention. Isn't it fun that we're so much in sync? I'm oh, loving man. finding another kindred spirit in my work, Dr. Oh, Mercier. This is fantastic. No, I, I am just above the clouds right now. This is great. This is great. Because it's one thing for, and again, I love my listeners. It's one thing for me to tell them, but to hear someone else just kind of say what I've been saying. Um, you You're know, like, right, everyone. <laughs> We just are backing each other up. No, but I, I think that you say it to your listeners because I can tell the way that you and your wife show up, it's, it's not because you're trying to pull one over on them. I can really tell from listening to you that you have a real uh, heart of service, that you want the same thing that I do, which is you want people to thrive. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the other day I was in the grocery store and so we're all dealing with, you know, the, the state of the world as it is. And some of us cope better than others. Mm -hmm. But I overheard a couple um, having a disagreement. Mm. And, you know, I hurt for them the way that disagreement ended. You know, they were just very dismissive of each other. And, you know, the husband mm. told the wife, well, that's your problem. And, and I'm like, ah, oh, dude, dude, you know it could end so much better with just these two things, right? And, and, and so, you know, when couples thrive, it, it does, it, it puts me in a good place to see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Tracy, 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 thank you. Thank I, you. I feel like I'm the one that has, should be giving all the gratitude. This was such an uplifting conversation for me. So thank you for letting me be here in dialogue with you, yes, truly. It's my pleasure. Um, for those who are listening right now and would like to connect with you more or see some of the work that you're doing, how might that be possible? Yeah, so a couple things. First of all, volunteering with your partner is a great way to work on your relationship. So you can come volunteer at Sidewalk Talk, which is sidewalk-talk.org. And then my website is tracyrubel.com. And I do some free webinars on fixing your relationship early before you go to therapy. Mm. And I have a goofy one because, you know, I always have to be goofy. We're doing a webinar on happily married with kids. It's not an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. It's hard, but it's totally possible. I'm living proof. I have 10 and 12-year-old boys. So nice. I'm with you. Nice. Yeah. And so we'll we'll make sure to have those links in the show notes. Guys, check her out. She's been someone that I've been following for some time now. Now I'm glad that I've just kind of been one of these people spying from afar. You know, you check in on what people are doing and then you're like, really nice. So we are gonna definitely stay in touch. Tracy, thank you for stopping by the Couples Council. All right. Be well, Dr. Mercier. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was Tracy Rubel, spelled R-U-B-L-E. If you want to stay in touch with her, just check out the show notes, or you could just rewind the podcast and listen to it all over again. I do not mind. 
it's always um it's always good for me when I can sit and talk with other clinicians when I can sit and talk to my counterparts and hear what they're doing because like we said in the interview we we know a lot we've studied a lot we've read a lot and you know she's been doing this for decades um i've been doing this for a while as well and it's so easy to get into your own stuff right but when you can actually sit with someone else and trade ideas even if you got you know millions of people listening you know, it is, it's, it's good. It's good. And so, listen, take away from the conversation um, what you will. One of the things I'm going to remind you of, all right, and this is something we've said time and again on this podcast. Do not, I repeat, do not take forever to seek the help. Do not take forever to reach out. And I know this is a couple's podcast, but whether it's a couple's issue or an individual issue, okay, whether it's a family issue, um, your kids stressing about work or grieving not having work, whatever the case may be, the time you wait is time that you will not be able to get back. So please do yourselves a favor and get the help sooner than later. That is our time. Um, It always goes by quick, for me at least. Um, Let us know what you thought of this episode. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Uh, If Herdine were here, she'd be telling you five stars, five stars. Okay? We want to hear what you think. We want to hear what you want to. We want to know what you'd like to hear. If if you want to contribute to this podcast, I've been meaning to say this. If you have a story to tell or even just kind of want to do maybe a live session, that would be interesting. However it is you feel you can contribute to this um, to this podcast, we'd love to hear about it. Hit me up at Dr. Jameson Mercier on Instagram. Same thing on Facebook. MercierWellness.com is the easiest way to go. Everything's there. Um, and we would love to connect with you. Thank you for joining me. And I hope to have you again for another episode of The Couples Council. Bye now. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to our mom and dad. If you like them as much as we do, then click subscribe and leave a comment. But now they have to go because it's family time. So go practice what you heard, and we'll catch you on the next episode.